And we're joined for Pet Chat by Dr. David Tabret and Danny Boz today. Hello, David. What's your special? Good, af- good afternoon, Jane. Good to see us all back. Um, Great, th- yes. Welcome <laughs> to the new year. <laughs> well, look, it's going to be a big year, but I thought there's a couple of things I'd kick off with. And the first one that's been very prominent, particularly in the last week, we've had four cats come in, male cats with blocked bladders. And uh, a lot of people aren't quite sure exactly what that means and what, how do you manage it long term and so on. So I thought we'd cover that topic a bit today. And maybe see if we know why. <laughs> yes, and also a little uh, bit of a feedback about snake bites as well over the season. So I'll give you an update on that as well. Thanks, David. More on that in just a moment. And Danny Boss, Happy New Year to you too. Thank you very much, Jane. And... Any special subjects from you? Well, what I thought today for the start of the year is we can talk about how we're going to pan out the year at Pet Chat Radio when it comes to interviews and information that we give out. Um, And I'd like to talk to our listeners about that. Also, a couple of events that uh, are going on that we can talk about and a new segment called Industry News. Pet Chat and Dr. David Tabret. Blocked bladders in cats. Yes. Look, the funny thing about this is um, that... We've actually had like four in a row in the last week. So it's quite surprising. But I guess there's a number of factors at play there. And this comes to why uh, cats do get these problems. So we're talking male cats. I guess it's possible to occur in female cats, though due to anatomical differences, most unlikely. But a blocked bladder, basically the tube that leads out of the bladder, uh, obviously which stores urine, the bladder the tube that leads out is called the urethra and they can get crystals and little stones or uh, just these mucusy plugs that actually like a cork in a bottle uh, they'll block the bladder up now the bladder is uh, receiving urine from the kidneys so they don't stop they keep pumping urine down and this bladder becomes quite large and eventually the pressure can build up and it stops the kidneys altogether and that takes about three days to occur And then the cat can die if it's not treated. So the treatment does involve uh, a procedure where we actually pass a urethral catheter and and unblock the bladder. That can be sometimes a little bit difficult, but usually we can get that in with various techniques and a few little special tricks that we learn. Uh, But the important thing then is the cat has to stay in hospital whilst that all that urine that's been sitting there causing trouble uh, is able to flow out. And it takes a few days for that to get back to normal. Now, longer term, then we have to see, okay, we've got that episode fixed. Is it going to happen again? And the unfortunate part of that story is yes, they very often they will happen again. Um, and cats will have multiple episodes. Now, if they've got to about three or four episodes, usually by that stage, either the emergency vets will talk to them or their daytime vets and talk to the owners and say, you know, there's a procedure that can be done that reduces the risk of this happening. It's called a perineal urethrostomy, which is basically where we take a boy cat and turn him into a girl cat, and hence no more blockages. But it's not without some risk. So if we can avoid that, that would be better. How do we avoid it? We look at things like dietary therapy, and that's uh, various types of crystals and stones can be treated with diet, and that's a big, big, very important point. Uh, One of the things people say to me is look, the diet costs a bit more, you know, um, it's a lot to pay for food. But I think if, for instance, the best way to rationalise it is if you're spending, say, a dollar a day to feed your cat and the diet therapy is going to cost $2 a day, okay, it's double the cost, 
But in essence, that means it's about $350 a year extra that you're paying. Now, if your cat gets a block bladder, it's a lot more than $350. So, you know, all you've got to do is make sure by feeding, you're actually reducing the incidence of this problem by one episode per year, which you will, you're going to be saving money straight away. And of course, it's better for your cat. Uh, second thing that's a big issue, so diet first, second thing is stress. And the best treatment I've seen for stressing cats is a spray called Fellaway Spray. And it actually comes as a, a little pump spray or a diffuser that you plug in. You know, like the mosquito um, repellent coils and stuff that you put in the PowerPoint? Same sort of thing. But what it is, is actually, um, and Danny, I know you're a dog person. <laughs> no cats around. I've got a question in regards to what you're talking about. I'm a bit confused. Okay. I'll let you finish All this. right. So what happens is, you know, if you see a cat and they come up and they rub their cheek along your leg or your hand, you pat them, yeah, they do that. Well, on the side of their face are these little glands and they secrete pheromones and they're very nice pheromones. Okay, so these are like these circulating airborne hormones that make you feel good. Now, cats also secrete stress pheromones. Okay, They generally come out of the other end of the cat um, when they're not happy. So happy cats rub their face. That means that they're quite calm. And what researchers in France did was they actually worked out this protein. They worked out the genetic code for it, and they manufacture it in big vats. And then stick it in little bottles, call it fell away, makes your cat happy. Mm. I wish we could have one of them for us. Yay! <laughs> so that'll help your cat get through Diet, stress relief, you need no, um, one litter tray per cat plus one. So if you've got one cat, you need two trays. If you've got five cats, you need six trays. Okay, well, I see a lot of people come in, they've got three cats, one litter tray, and you go, oh dear. So we need a lot more litter trays. Don't have them side by side around the house. Sometimes two or three different types of litter. Because believe it or not, cats are a bit picky. Some of them, they like the gravelly type. Some like the crystals. Some like the paper. Do that. This is all designed to help relieve stress. Occasionally, we need to put cats on some anti-anxiety medication. But again, far better to be doing that than have a blocked bladder because that can be a problem. You said in regards to the blocked bladder, mm. uh, getting the boy cat and turning into a girl cat, what's, what if it's the girl cat that's got a blocked bladder? Well, usually, what happens then? Usually, well, we don't turn them into a boy cat, that's for sure. But uh, usually in those cases, there'll be some other cause for it to happen because the urethra in the female is quite wide and short. And so it's easily, uh, it's very difficult for it to block. Oh, okay. But I have seen it happen. I've seen it happen in dogs, uh, female dogs. Um, the other thing is that very often a lot of people think, oh, they've got a bladder infection because they're sitting and straining in the litter tray. And I should have mentioned that up front. How do you recognize it? Your cat licking at their back end all the time, the male cat. They're usually middle-aged, overweight, okay, cats that sit around and they don't use the litter tray properly and so on. So they'll be straining and nothing passing or only a small amount of urine or even a bit of blood passing when you see after they go to the litter tray. So... Um, if we just keep an eye out for those signs and keep on top of diet, stress relief, etc., you shouldn't have any problems. No blocked bladders in male mm. cats. Mm. You're listening to Pet Chat, and we'll be back with more in just a moment on 2NURFM. And Danny Boss, we are, well, this is Pet Chat, of course, and where are we at the moment? This well, look, year, a Jane, whole new year? A whole new year, 
lots of good information to look forward to. What I wanted to talk about is a new segment where we'll talk about industry news and mention what is happening with the big brands when it comes to pet food or perhaps big brands of toys or nutrition, all that kind of stuff. What are the changes that these brands are making to their line lineups for the year? And the first one that I'm going to be talking about is a brand of dog and cat food called Royal Cannon. Now, they have super premium uh, pet foods. They're very good quality, complete balanced diet, and they've got some new formulations that they're coming out. They're very well known for their uh, specific breed formulations. For example, they've got a boxer diet for, for breeds of dogs that are boxers. Uh, they've got a Labrador diet, German Shepherd diet, Golden Retriever diet. And the new product they've just released is Golden Retriever Junior, which is for your younger golden retriever. So they do have a, a puppy. They'll, eventually they'll get the puppy. Now they've got the junior and then they've got the adult formulation. Also with Royal Cannon, they've released a new frequent buy scheme where if you buy 10 bags, your 11th bag is free. And if you join up with them on an email on, on their website and give them your email and details, they'll email, email you special offers. So they're really, really good to be a part of because special offers could involve discounts or certain deals to let you know uh, that you can get from your local pet store. Is it really important to have different formulas for different breeds of dogs uh, or well, ages? Uh, I think that um, like we've always seen that there's a difference between small breeds and larger breeds. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a key thing. Some of the other aspects of different breeds probably come into play as well. Um, there might be some overlap between each of these things because some of the breeds are fairly similar. It's an interesting um, tool that Royal Cannon are using because it appeals to those people, Danny, like the the breeding groups and people who've got the purebred puppies and so on. They really want to tap into that. Uh, yes. You know, I've got the Golden Retriever. I've got the Golden Retriever food. Yes. The idea behind it is is that, that the different breeds may need different nutritional requirements. They go even to the extent of, if it's a, a Labrador, the for example, the kibble that is fed to the dog is a special shape to fit into the Labrador's mouth. I and thought to, you were going to say it looks like a ball, so they'll chase no, it. No, <laughs> but it also then also is designed to scrape away tartar and plaque that builds up in the mouth of the dog. Yeah. Uh, Labradors also, t- also tend to put on weight fairly easily, so they put facilum in the formulation so that there's enough fibre there uh, <laughs> to help them out. Uh, whereas the German Shepherd formula is a lot about um, German Shepherds have a bit of a, what I say, their digestive system's a bit, Different or is it a? Uh, well, they're, what would you say, David? They're they're a breed that uh, do are known for some digestive issues. Yeah, I don't think that's prevalent. Like if your dog's fine, yeah, it should be fine. It's you know a specific dog might be affected, but mm. uh, it's probably wise that um, as I said, I think there'll be some overlap. There are going to be some differences between some of these larger breeds, as Danny has already said. Well, with the, di- with the German Shepherd formulation, there's digestive enzymes in the food to help break down the food a lot easier for the German Shepherd breed. So they've gone into a lot of um, R&D, research and development, to make sure it's the right formulation for the right breed. The un- Danny, the only thing I wondered is that if, uh, if you've got them on your shelf or you go to the shop, like how much room is it going to take? If And what if I don't own a Boxer, a Labrador, a German Shepherd is Royal Cannon still, can I get the benefit of the food 
without uh, having a specific breed. So this is yes. just an addition, isn't it? It's an addition. It's their breed range, whereas they still have your general range. So And they've got it in, in sizes of dogs. So the mini range is for your small dogs, oh, yeah. mini dogs. Then you've got your medium breeds dogs. So there's a food category that's called medium. And then there's maxi for your larger dogs. Yeah. Uh, and finally, there's giant formulation, which is for your giant dogs like your well, Great Danes. Right. Um, not for your for pet example. elephant. Not no. for the pet elephant, no. Um, <laughs> and, Jane, the, the other – look, I think this is – it's a very interesting um, effort by Royal Cannon because obviously they're going to tap into people's pride in owning their dog. But uh, the whole therapy, dietary therapy, we talked about it with the cats, yeah, with block bladders. Same thing with dogs. There's a lot of conditions – that we're starting to see the benefits of specific nutrition. We've just got to be a little bit careful that we don't overshoot and uh, you know, go too far in terms of saying, well, this is going to get rid of this problem. Diet isn't going to solve everything. But certainly for growing dogs, I think these larger breed dogs, we do know that diet plays a role in terms of prevention or reduction in the incidence of hip dysplasia um, and elbow problems, etc. So... It's really important, and I think people should talk to their vet, talk to their pet stores about what might be the best diet. And you can ring us with your question about your pet, and Shirley has done that. She has rung four nine two one six two one six, and you've got a question, Shirley. Yes, I have a canary about seven months old, mm-hmm. and about the last four days he's just not whistling, and I mm. wondered whether they do molt. I have had a canary before, but years ago. Mm-hmm. They do molt, and they have a pretty bad time of it. Yes. And yep, there's yep. something I think I put in the drinking water. Is that right nowadays so, or Something not? Uh, that you have put in before, or you, you're saying now you think you no, should No, I be... haven't done it now, but oh, I, I, I remember doing it yeah. years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, what do they do now not to help them? Not for this one. Um, certainly, uh, molting, canaries do molt quite a few times a year, and it'll depend on um, their... Oh, I thought it was only once. I've seen them two to three times. Really? Yeah. Oh. And um, a lot of it will depend on the environment they're, they're in and diet. And diet can be one of the biggest factors because uh, the amount of energy that's needed to molt um, is what uh, makes a healthy molt, healthy feathers. Um, a lot of people do also uh, do a few crazy things and put different colours in the food at the time of a molt so that uh, that'll come through because the pigments that are in the feathers are derived from food pigments or created in the liver. And a lot of the pigments in canaries come through the food. So um, there is also, I've seen supplements that people use, which are a vitamin supplement. So I'm not sure how effective that'll be one way or the other. Certainly it's probably, it, it is a stressful time on the bird's body. No doubt about that. And he, He's active. Yep. You know, he jumps around and he's eating eating well and and he drinks the water, yeah. but he's just not whistling. Uh, it may be that um, just at the moment, if his body is preparing for a malt or to go into a malt, that um, he's decided not to whistle at the moment. There can be other factors in terms of if there's other birds around or haven't been around, if, there's, uh, if he's um, stressed through maybe the appearance of cats or other predators that might make him think that he has to be quiet. But very often it'll come back to that stress on the body through uh, metabolism and malting and making sure they get the right diet is most important. And, um, you know, there are special feed mixes, um, the crumbles for canaries, 
um, which are rather than just say a seed diet, you'll get a better nutrition if you use a formulated pelleted or crumbled diet. And as I said, there are additives like vitamin supplements as well. So I'd probably go down that path, checking in with either your vet or pet store about an appropriate canary diet that's not just the seed that you're getting no. you're getting these crumbles because they're it's like. Uh, and how if, long does it last? Is it weeks? I can't remember. The f- oh, the period of the mold. Yes. Yeah. Again, it depends on the health of the bird. Um, generally, a couple of weeks. Because he's young. He's, you know, I've only had him since October, but he was three months old. When you got him? Yeah. Mm. This may be the first episode, and I guess it's probably going to be a little bit variable as to, you know, how long this persists for. So. Um, certainly have a look around. Make sure he's got somewhere in his cage that he can go and hide as well because that'll provide a sense of security and he'll feel a lot better. So, Well, he has a little cloth over him at night, but not any other time. Yeah, I like I like putting in branches and things like that that have got some leaf and flowers on them. Um, oh, I see. Grevillea, yeah. You know, grevilleas and bottle brushes and stuff that just provide little nooks and crannies that he can go and hide in as well. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Try he that. and. He's, um, you know, he's a very good whistler, and so I notice it. Uh, they're not doing it. Yeah, well, any time there's a stress on their body, they'll they'll often stop whistling, and um, hopefully by providing a more secure environment, um, changing his diet with um, the additives or using a crumble diet might also relieve a bit of that stress and get him back whistling for you night and day. Good luck with that, Shirley, and hope your uh, little canary survives well soon. You're listening to Pet Chat on 2NURFM, 49216216. If you've got a question you'd like to put to our pet vet, Dr David Tabret. Very happy to take your calls, 49216216, if you've got a question you'd like to put to our pet vet, who is very busy working here. Click, 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 I can hear. But Alison has... A question. Alison has rung in. Hi, hi, Alison. It's David here. What can we do for you? Hi. Uh, I've got two very much loved guinea pigs. Mm. And one, um, they're both um, displaying some strange symptoms. Um, one first lost a lot of weight and all the, a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. And then she falls over and has these little spasms uh, and sort of like nervous spasms and then regains um, her chicken stand up again and then she goes on about away. And then and the second one, the second guinea pig, just seems to be doing the spasms. Um, they haven't lost any weight or fur um, and I'm just really worried what okay. it could be. Now, um, male, female? One female, one male. One female, one male. So the female's the one that's lost the hair as well? Yeah. And uh, how old are they? They're about four and a half years old. All right. And have they ever mated or produced any young? They've, they've got, yeah, they've mated a lot and produced a lot of babies. <laughs> Nothing recently? Um, she's, she's not producing babies at the moment. She doesn't seem to be mm. um, getting pregnant. Because I've also got another... Female, he's, he's just fine at the moment. Okay, um, plus a third. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how old's that one? Well, she's a little bit young. She's probably another year younger. Right, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the spasm, I'm not quite sure what might be happening there. There's a couple of things that spring to mind. So it could be seizures. Uh, yeah. 
I guess the, the fact that it's occurring in two, yeah. uh, whether it's the same thing or not, probably needs to be looked at. We, yeah. can, we can see that sort of um, uh, effect associated with either um, you know, brain disorder, it's a possibility, or more, more likely is some sort of electrolyte abnormality, either a low glucose level or a low calcium level. Okay. Now, both of those things are affected by diet, but also affected by other internal processes, like things like liver disease um, and hormonal disorders internally. And I guess um, in calcium, um, guinea pigs, just trying to think about if there have been any um, reports or problems associated with calcium. They do get uh, from various grassy haze or rather leafy um, haze, they will get uh, a fair degree of calcium through the diet and they are prone to getting um, bladder stones which are calcium based so the okay. kidneys excrete calcium and if, uh, if um, in pregnancy I guess or following pregnancy um, they could result in a low calcium as well but that doesn't seem to be the case since the males affected so I would be looking at diet as a main thing yeah. Uh, infectious conditions, I guess, would be a possibility, but none spring to mind as a mm -hmm. likely candidate. Right. The, the hair loss and the weight loss is a rather non-specific thing that we see with a lot of conditions in guinea pigs, and particularly the hair loss can actually be a behavioural problem. So yeah. it, it could be related to stress on the body, um, but we also see it where you've got multiple guinea pigs together and they actually do what's called barbering, where they'll... Mm -hmm pick the hair off, off the, uh, chew the hair off the other guinea pig. Right. Um, and that could be a dominant behaviour. It can be related yep. to overcrowding and so on. So sometimes it's behavioural, sometimes it's associated with medical problems. There seems to, you know, the spasming is a concern. Um, it's certainly not something that we just see and go, oh, well, that's guinea pigs and they do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's something, if you can get a video of it, that would yep. be that would be a good thing because very often with these problems you rock up to the vets and go well he was doing it at home yeah yeah that's right <laughs> and uh, so if you can get, like, yeah. yeah if you can get a video I think that'd be a really good start and then probably need to speak to your vet about that um, yep. four and a half years of age is getting on <clears throat> a little yeah. bit for guinea pigs and they can develop things also like cancer and. Um, yeah, right. Certainly, uh, I've seen ovarian disorders and so on in female oh. guinea pigs as they get a bit older. Uh -huh. So I think a video is to start, and then um, you're probably going to need to see the vet about that problem. Thanks. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks. No worries. Call, Thank you, Alison. Alison and uh, you're listening to Pet Chat. We have Leslie on the line, but we'll come to Leslie's question in just a moment on 2NURFM 49216216 if you've got a question for our pet vet today. And you're listening to Pet Chat at the moment. David, you've had another thought. Yes, uh, Jane, just um, when we were chatting to Alison about her pigs and uh, just remembering, of course, is that guinea pigs uh, um, require vitamin C, ascorbic acid, in their diet. So just an important note, Alison, I guess it's possible that could cause neurological symptoms. The plan is uh, one vitamin C tablet per half a litre of water, change it daily because it will degrade in sunlight. So you do need to supplement. And another source of um, vitamin C is green leafy vegetables. So good advice. And Leslie has rung in. Hello, Leslie. Oh, good morning. 
Um, I was wondering if uh, uh, you would be able to advise me regarding an anti-mite and worm medication for chickens. Um, it comes in a liquid form that you actually dab on underneath their wings, and I haven't been able to track this down. I saw it on the television program um, mm. some while back, um, and I wonder the- if you could help me with that. Okay, there is, in terms of worming, there is um, a, a registered poultry wormer that is called piperazine, and that's the active ingredient. So yeah. I can recommend that, and that'll do all your worms for the chooks. This was predominantly for the mites. Um, and and uh, uh, yes, yeah, so. Um, and then there is, in terms of for the mites uh, and lice, there's a couple of uh, products you can use. Uh, you mentioned about a, a liquid. Now, there is one that you can spray. Uh, it's just a mite and lice spray. Uh, you're just saying a dab on the... On yes, yeah. yes. And that would be more in terms of what's used for cattle, I, I guess. I think it's, yeah, it's an but ivermectin. It's probably. an ivermectin base, but it's not registered for... Not registered for poultry. For, for poultry. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, so there is a lot of things I guess people might use, but we have to go by what is registered to be used on that particular animal. Um, And ivermectin is is something that's used with cattle, but not with poultry. No, just that I saw a a show, it was on Better Homes and Gardens, and Dr. Harry Cooper actually put it on a chicken, and he he said this is so easy, the application, and it will fix the mites up. And which is worrying the chicken, and um, also deal with worms. So we might, I thought, wow, uh, that's what I'd like to use, but I cannot get my hands on whatever it was. I think Danny will do just do a little yep. bit of homework on that for you, Leslie, and we'll come back next week. But my thoughts were like Danny that um, it was okay. probably an ivermectin. Uh, okay. There's a lot of products that are used off label because obviously. Right. You know, we can't test every product in every species yeah, or yeah, sure. to the to the level that's required. Um, but for the advice as far as using a product off label, it actually um, not allowed to sort of say, "Oh, yeah, go out and do this." Go out, go out. But yeah, we, well, well, well accessing it's the issue too. I, I can't find a source of it. No one knows, seems to know what it is or <laughs> if it's, where it is. Yeah, if it's the ivermectin, it usually comes in large five liter bottles for for your <laughs> no, four hundred no, head of cattle. That was quite what he had in mind. <laughs> All right, then. Look, thank you for your help we'll, this morning. We'll follow yeah. up for Chase you. Chase no Yeah, listen to the show next week, and hopefully I'll have an answer for you. Yep. Great. And Di has rung in from Raymond Terrace. Hi, Di. Hello. How are you? Good, good. good. Um, my son um, has got little beetles a little bit smaller than lady beetles. Uh-huh. They've got... They're a, orangey colour and they've got a red stripe, brownie red stripe across the back and two little dots and they've ate his almond tree, they're eating the um, the quinces and they've even taken to his big um, Morton Bay fig and stripped it this year. Oh dear. We oh, might have to send that inquiry to, 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 um, David, to David Peterson, Peterson from Peterson the gardening be, show yeah. <laughs> on Mondays. I could, I could probably fix his pet beetles, but uh, <laughs> I think David Peterson might be the better person to talk to for All right, that die. So when's he on? Mo- every Monday. Monday. Mondays. Monday. Gar- Monday. Gardening Garden. talk back on All Mondays. All right, thank you. That's so You're no Bye. Bye. Thanks, Di. And it's been a long time since I've treated a beetle. <laughs> I'll try. We'll, well try. I wonder if pe- beetles are often used as pets. You know the pets. you know the funny. Well, not funny, but the we have had questions before where I've actually had someone came in and said I've got a pet rat, um, 
is rat bait dangerous to them? Because it's a pet. See, the thought was, well, it wasn't a pest species. It was their pet. And, of course, well, rat bait's toxic to dogs, cats, people, rats, whether you're a pet or not. In the the shop, we have got spiny leaf insects, which live on, on gum trees, and that's all they eat. They just eat gum leaves. And they're really good. They're like How do you a, know a they're there, a beetle, Danny? but they do grow there bigger. You're just looking. It's just actually leaves. You don't even know they're there. <laughs> well, they are They, they are very well camouflaged. They left ages ago. <laughs> they left ages ago. But, uh, yeah, they're along those lines, the beetle line. I'll mention uh, the vitamin C advice was, I have to give credit, Danny just um, prompted that question for us earlier. So thanks, Danny. I don't want you to feel like that wasn't appreciated. Thank, now, thank you, David. Did you have something you wanted to say quickly about snakes? Yes. Yeah, look, um, I sat down and did a review over the last six months, up to the end of uh, December, actually, to have a look at how many snake bite patients that were treated at the emergency centre since so since July. And we had eight uh, dogs. Uh, pretty sure they were all dogs. My, no, no, sorry, cats, of course. One, one that was uh, in hospital for a while. Um, Cats and dogs that were treated for snake bite. Now, this does not include animals that were treated, pets that were treated at other veterinary hospitals and then were sent to us for overnight monitoring because they're critical patients, but just the ones that we actually got Mm. to treat. All eight that were treated with antivenine have survived, done well. Um, And the interesting thing was that one of the patients was from Wall's End, right, but seven of the eight were from the Maitland region. So there you go. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Well, because, uh, you know, there's more new housing development moving into and the paddocks and so on, and there's snakes around. But brown snakes um, up there, we don't tend to see brown snakes in Newcastle. We have had a black snake bite actually in January, so it fell outside that period that came from Belmont. And we've had another one last year that was from Waratah. A black black snake. snake. Yeah. So in the yeah. suburbs. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, so, so be it, careful. Is it true, I thought I heard one time, that no Australian is ever more than 30 metres away from a snake? Unless you're standing on top of one of Danny's snake repellers. <laughs> and then I think they're at least 15 metres away. <laughs> Good one, David. I like that one. And that's Pet Chat for today. A good note to end on. Thank you, Dr. David Tabrush. No worries. And just a quick Danny quick Boss. update is, sorry, Danny, um, that this year we will be having, last year we had some special guests, Dr. Robert Stabler. He's going to become a regular feature on Pet Chat. Once a month he'll be into talk behaviour. And also Dr. Emily, from uh, who's uh, done a fair bit of work with exotics and um, small creatures, so she'll be in as well. Fantastic. Pet chat for this Good. year. And updating the weather on 2NURFM for our sponsor, Hunter Subaru. Test drive the new Subaru XV today. Wet today. We have 19 degrees at Bonnells Bay. News coming your way in two minutes' time with Cat Stevens to take us there. 2NURFM.